Welcome to the Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. These conversations are with people who are working on something interesting or have accomplished great things. We talk about their mission, their passion, and their purpose. And the whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led them to do what they do and learn from their experience so we can give you a direct insight and actionable steps to pursue your own passion and follow your own interests. This is my second recording about the topic of how to become more visionary and more creative. If you haven't listened to the first one, then check out the previous episode with Kim Walsh. She shares with us how organizations and companies can become more innovative. Today's podcast is with my dear friend Francesco Carbone. He is back to share with us his views on creativity, innovation and vision from a leadership and a personal perspective. And although he's very humble about it, I consider him a visionary with a very progressive thinking. I enjoyed our conversation. We talk about his upbringing and what shaped his creative mind. And we also discuss how to enable people within a company to become more creative and innovative. Enjoy the show. So, yeah, I wanted to pick on the topic of... um, vision creativity and innovation and um as we exchanged a little bit on the topic i thought we can expand it a little bit and maybe create a content that could be valuable for the listeners or people that are viewing this uh, recording um but i would like to back a little bit off and explain to to you where where did i come from with this topic and also why i think you could be uh, a valuable content creator for it <laughs> Um, I was actually in an event. So I think I explained that before I was on an event, but for the listeners to know where I come from, I was on an event, networking event with a bunch of entrepreneurs. And uh, there were some of them founders, co-founders. Some of them uh, were more in the operation side. Some of them were more of the leadership side of things. And it just stumbled into this topic. But when I asked somebody, uh, where, which, which is, what are this, their strengths? What are they strong at? And uh, one of them said, well, I'm a more of an idea generator kind of person. And that his team, his team prefer when they are not at the office. <laughs> they told him everything. I told him, what is it that actually you do these days? He told me, well, I don't know. I'm trying to find myself hobbies and things to do. He told him, what do you mean? Like you're not managing your team, you're not working much and so on. He told me, no, I'm not spending much time at the office because my team tells me every time I come to the office, I mess up uh, with their processes and operations and what they are, what they are supposed to do. <laughs> he said it in a funny tone. Of course, he was not like okay. very serious about it. He probably spent some time with the, with his team also, but, um, he was no. I'm, I'm more of the vision and uh, leadership guy uh, with creative ideas and so on, rather than being there on the spot and operating and seeing if things are going well. So that 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 triggered me and uh, brought uh, brought me to ask the question. Like, interesting. So naturally, what I would do is look for the starting point. How that that this person became a visionary or how that person started becoming that way. And I do that for every single thing, not only mm-hmm. in people. When I walk by here or, or there, I, I see something, I say, who invented this and how was the first process of inventing it? This is, I guess, a little bit of a natural curiosity of mm-hmm. wanting to understand the source and how it started. Then I started asking the rest of the people, your visionary or your operation more and what made you become more of a visionary what is it that you do to become more visionary i didn't i didn't get like a very specific answer to that one and that's where i asked you the other day is that something we can teach is that something we can enable in people that are already in-house is that something we even look for when we're hiring people is that even matter actually when we are when we are there is already a ceo and a ceo and a cdo and uh, the the c-level um does it even matter to look for profiles like that okay so this is a lot of questions i'm gonna go one by one at the, at the time and perhaps we can start with you first how how do you see yourself and how do people see you mm. 
so just from the blank feedback that I got, yeah. the observations from from my outside world, I think they would probably more describe me a bit more of a terrible to say about yourself visionaries something like that sounds sounds terrible okay. but this is this is what people <laughs> um uh, uh tell me um as someone who um, uh, tells stories about the future basically and uh, how beautiful it can look like if we just mm. put the right amount of effort into it you know mm. that's uh however i come from a very operational uh um background That's it. background yeah. Mm. yeah i think i think my first job did i ever tell you my first job no you didn't i don't i'm not uh, sure you did mm. assembly line for in a book factory i was 15 <laughs> stapling books on an, on an assembly uh, on an assembly line and uh, it did a lot of heavy operational things uh, working in an ice cafe working in a gastronomy uh, generally and uh, sort of things like that. Um, and uh, I think, so one of your questions was, and I, I just processed it while you were asking. Um, one of your questions was, uh, what makes someone become less operational and more strategic or, uh, or so? And uh, what just happened while you were asking I realized it was always the point was always when this work that I did felt redundant, felt obsolete. And I saw the next layer that needed to change in order to reduce or remove this work that I'm doing right now. And um, that was always the case. No matter where I went, I thought like, wow, well, okay, this should be much easier or better or different. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, and in, in the on those on those first step, long answers are very welcome. The storytelling, as you know, is is great, and people can relate. If we go back, then still on time, where you you were doing um, work in uh, in uh, in the book place, um, did you already feel that it was redundant, and were you looking for ways to make it less redundant? Or were you enjoying that process of actually the repeated repetitive process of what you were doing at that time? Uh, enjoying the process of stapling books. I, I, I've huh. never met someone. No, <laughs> I've never no, met no. someone who really okay. enjoyed yeah. it. But um, but it's a good question. So there already in this microcosmos, it was a factory, by the way. It's, it was huh. a um, like a real factory. Um, I was already um, moving places. So I started at the assembly line and then later I was in the, in the logistics center where mm. I was driving around with these electric little cars uh, because I wanted to see more, understand more. And um, yeah, so okay. yeah, I was moving around to my possibilities. Uh, I was 15 or 16, I think so. Do you remember if your teachers back in school were telling you that you were more of a creative guy? Did you do art school? Did, did anything influence you back then in terms of creativity and and uh, finding solutions in a creative way for problems? Yeah, so I mean, the German school system is pretty yeah. much set up on just um, um, learning and then writing what you read, basically. But there's, mm -hmm. not, there's not a lot of space for creativity, I think who should be more at least. Um, I was lucky though to go to a, to a high school that was a bit, bit um, um, allowing more creativity. So um, I, was, I was lucky on that part, I think, mm -hmm. um, but still not fitting into the school system for sure. So I mm -hmm. uh, needed to, um, uh, how do you say, repeat a, a class, um, one year. Mm -hmm. uh what what killed me i think it was latin but yeah some uh definitely need to repeat one and then i also um change schools in the in the 10th 10th mm. grade and so at what point did you discover let's say it could be not in school it could be also in the curriculum work experience that you were uh, prone to talk about ideas and solutions in the future, like creativity and innovation. 
Well, um, <clears throat> so the question is basically um, where where was I um, invited to, or where was I? Where Where is it that when 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 did you discover it? Like I can tell you, for example, for mine, I started the other way around a little bit. I, I went in art school first to start with. So it was about creating the pure form of art, like creativity in that sense. Okay, so back then I didn't know that creativity could be applied to many many areas it's only way after that when i came to a, across a book called uh, accidental creative that i shifted that paradigm that actually creatives can be accountants can be uh, operation managers could be a lot of people can be creative in that sense so creativity is not the label that you put only on the uh, on the forehead of an artist or a photographer or a video maker yeah. uh, it was i think i was uh, what 2010 or something like about uh, 11 years ago that I re made that realization and that I found out that I was still even if I was not doing art pure art I was working like product management and so on I was still that that skill was transferred into whatever I was doing and I, it was a preferred one that's so the question back to you is was there a moment where you discovered or you find out uh, that you were, um, uh, you said that your team and people see you more of an innovative, creative, visionary kind of person. But was there a moment where you also discovered it about yourself without that feedback? Well, latest in uh, any strength survey. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was always one of the top three. Uh, I always suspected it because mm. uh, not because I thought I was good at a particular um, uh, thing, uh, but more like uh, what was fun. And for me, it was fun to be challenged by um, new problems. Mm. And the less tools, the less um, resources I had, the more exciting it was. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, really, I, I was really thriving in, in this kind of environments. That was the most fun for me. Mm. And that was also the most uh, appreciation that I got. Like, how did you do this with so few tools, so few support? Uh, that was always uh, my, my goal, uh, mm. to get this kind of feedback. Yeah. That's nice. What do you think are, um, what, what happened? What made it possible for you to get that uh, skill or quality, whatever you name it. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, there, I think there are a lot of different things that contribute uh, to someone allowing or having the ability to be creative. And one of them is clearly um, what your parents tell you when you're a child. One sentence that I heard, for example, a lot, and I would like to know if that applies to you too, because uh, I think it's, I'm not the only one, is that my parents told me, uh, you can become, you can do whatever you want. Whatever you want to mm -hmm. do in life, you can do it, because no, you I didn't have, have that potential. One. No, I didn't have that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was good or bad. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's for different people, different outcomes. I think I have met people who, who, who it was limiting them. It was limiting them to hear that because it, there, it was a little bit lack of orientation. It's like you do whatever you want. There's so many things you can be doing out there. But for some, like probably yourself here, it was triggering something of questioning, what is it that I can do? And, and then you become, you start thinking about options and solutions. Keep on going then. So when they told you, told you that, how did that contribute then? Well, it basically um, broadens the possibilities. So mm -hmm. you're not limited. You don't need mm -hmm. to be a lawyer, a doctor, or there are no expectations to what you will do mm -hmm. in the future. Makes and sense. that really helped. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't need to break out of um, expectations from my parents or from my, and so expectations are really important, not only uh, the ones from my parents, but also uh, from my social environment. If something was holding me back, it was because I wanted to comply to some 
social standards and expectations from my outside world. Right. So that was one thing. Okay, so the parents and the way they shaped you back then to shape your future now somehow. Is there anything else that you think have contributed into enhancing that skill? Yeah, so I'm probably going to repeat myself. So everything that broadens your horizon. We, Mm -hmm. for example, traveled a lot. So that Mm -hmm. forced me to hear different languages, speak to people that think differently, look differently, and so on. And um, so broad exposure, broad exposure of different cultures, different things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And anything that is, um, that gives you, um, let's say, enough um, stability that you can challenge and test things. Um, So if you have a very um, stable, um, loving um, um, environment, um uh, that you can fall back to in case you test too much then uh, that is also helping to to be creative in my opinion and that you can also turn to a corporate environment yeah. mm-hmm. um, as a result of that now i mean you get appreciation for being creative innovative and visionary somehow i would like to pull into the importance of it now how is that changing or improving or contributing to your work environment to the to the company where you work Mm. sometimes more sometimes less i would say Mm -hmm. it it really depends on the challenge of the company if um if the challenge is uh, reposition the company in the market create a new brand, create new products uh, in order to become or stay competitive. Yeah, so if, if that we had that case uh, when I started, um, then of course this, uh, this skill plays out a lot. Mm. Um, however, when it's more about, um, when, it, when we're talking, for example, about a big corporate, that um, can only make very small or wants to make very small moves uh, in certain directions, it is a little bit less uh, important, probably. Um, Mm. Would I invite someone from a corporate? No, they would probably say something completely different. But uh, yeah, that's how I would look at it. It, it's interesting. Like I do see the value. It's interesting, and I do see the value of uh, having that skill in in a, a company or a corporate organization. So there's probably a lot of plus into having it. But what surprises me is, and also by the way, when you look at jobs, yeah, you see a lot of looking for people for innovation, looking for people for uh, I don't know product lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and but but very rarely I find in the skills and criteria and the things that people are wanting in the people that they are looking for uh, creativity, sense of vision, and uh, these kind of bullet points. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we know you and I that's important, mm-hmm. but is it not there because these positions are already filled and assumed to be the f- fair enough? Because we have a CEO and CTO and COO, for example, and they are the guys who are taking care of that side. Or they are not looking, these uh, this, um, criteria are not looked for because mm. they are not taken seriously or something. What do you think? You have such fantastic questions, Denise. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> thank you. What I, what I believe is that. Um, well, I'm thinking about myself right now. So yeah. first of all, would I write it in some job description? I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure if I would uh, add it to the job description or search for it, uh, per se. Um, I think what happens a lot is that the C-level, the senior leaders, that they're assuming those attributes for themselves. Like we're supposed to be those people because we have the most holistic view um we we uh this is also again an expectation from the outside world 
that the CEO, for example, is the visionary. Yeah, and, and then so from from um, Simon Sinek, he had a video on, online out there. I think I shared it on LinkedIn also. They said that all the other C-level positions, they have their job and their title. COO, CTO. You know specifically what they're doing. But the CEO, it's not that of a specific title. And that's where he's suggesting to change it from CEO to CVO, Chief Vision Officer. Officer. That's mm-hmm. normally should be the role of that person. Mm-hmm. Keep on leading, pe- keep people in that sense toward that vision, mm-hmm. mission. Keep on mm-hmm. reminding it in a regular basis, and every action is taken to be following that same vision and mission. Yeah. So as you said, okay, it's assumed that it's being taken care of. That's why it's not there in uh, in. Um, in uh, the job ad, so to speak. Okay, fair enough. It's being taken care of. However, we are also expecting from uh, people to have to create solutions. And as the book also says, uh, the accidental creative, I'll put it on the show notes. Uh, it says that uh, it's one of the most important skills. If you are, uh, say, a product manager, or if you are in operations, any kind of operations, you need to find solutions. You need to be creative. You need to find solutions. And the translation of that solution will depend on what type of skill you have. If you're a recruiter, you find the solutions on how to recruit better, let's say. And you, you, you outline it in a roadmap of recruiting. If you're a product manager for an app or something, you create that solution in who will be using that app and how they will be using it. Yeah. And then your job is a little bit to not just execute on it, but see how it could be done in the near future, which is like, in its, say, the next milestone, but also in the long term, longer term or midterm kind of future. So you have to have a vision of how it should be done. And then otherwise, you, you just um, somehow, sorry for the term, a little bit of a puppet, and you just do what you've been told. And as Steve Jobs says, also, we hire people not to tell them what to do. We hire people so they can tell us how to do things. Yet that skill is not necessarily listed to be able to be creative and so on. But okay, that could be leading to a whole different topic. Mm-hmm. But, but my point was just to highlight, put the highlight a little bit on it, mm-hmm. on, on that thing, not, not necessarily calling it an issue or a problem. But also, if we were to um, adopt it, we were to look for it. What kind of what would be the what would be the uh, the type of profiles we'll be looking for? Innovative, creative people, and how do we know if they've been innovative, creative people? Yeah, go on. So I do test a mm-hmm. certain amount of um, problem solving skills, mm-hmm. sometimes more, sometimes less, and um, and. Because creativity per se is not, it's not helpful. It depends on what do you do with this creativity. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you solve things in a new way? Saying being innovative. Do you know how to use, uh, do you know how to thrive with few resources? Um, do you know how to um, overcome difficult obstacles and whilst protecting yourself and your environment? So those are things that, that are actually being applied in the job that, that I can, every individual can make use of. Creativity is just uh, the meta skill that does all of this. So... So I'm not using, I'm not really looking for creativity per se. Mm. I'm, I'm testing or I'm, I'm asking candidates, um, what do you do if you are confronted with a situation that you can't just solve right away? Or um, how did you, um, what is your current challenge and what is your strategy um, mm. towards it? And uh, those are the things that I'm that I'm uh, testing or that I'm asking for okay. and to try to find out. And okay. I think there are some environments, some challenges that require that much more. For example, if I build up a team that should have been built half a year ago already, <laughs> so once coming in, you will face a lot of challenges because 
very few processes, guidelines, and so on. Um, and uh, some are coming more into a, let's say, framed environment with a with a um, great leader, mm. great colleagues, everything already quite set up. Um, then you wouldn't need to have such a strong creative quality mm. um, problem solving ability. Okay, so I, I hear you saying that creativity is an important one in the sense of it, when it creates solutions for problems, and then there will be benefits out of those solutions that Pearson is created. And if, even if it's not listed there in the requirements, it is still uh, looked for, and you ask people how about it. Okay, let's park it now in that sense and take take it to to the individual. Now the individual is pursuing a curriculum. He's like in school and after school, he's going to uh, university. After university, he's going to uh, practice his skills in, in a company, whether in a traineeship, internship, or actually a job. And let's say that person know that this creativity is the most important thing. Well, not the most important thing, among the most important things. How would he have to do? What does he have to do to enhance it? So that's one one side, personal level. And then I will uh -huh. go to academic level too. Yeah. In your opinion, so you're not supposed to have all the answers to all my questions, obviously, but yeah. just what your opinion is matters there. That's why we're talking you and I. Well, uh, take a bicycle and drive through Africa. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay. You will be faced with a lot of different surprising moments. Uh -huh. Oh. And uh, I, I've never took the bicycle to Africa, but if I want to improve my creativity, I would probably do that. Mm. So being outside of the comfort zone, doing something completely different than what you're doing usually outside of your natural pathway of yeah. doing things. Oh. I mean, I was traveling with a car worth $250 through the US, couch surfing on a very, very low budget. I had issues that I never had before. I, I needed to solve. My car was melting in, in, in the desert of Nevada. And, <laughs> and I had no idea what to do. But the locking system was, uh, was, was uh, not working anymore and uh, things like that. And I'm very untalented in fixing things, by the way. So this is really not my strength. But I was forced to, mm. to, um, to find creative solutions. Mm. Yeah, out of the comfort zone, basically. Yeah, and that is a very interesting point you shared because you know how we do anything is how we do everything. It doesn't have to be in a specific con um, line of work or speciality. If you are learn to be creative, let's say in some personal side of life, you can transfer that to your professional side and vice versa. So it's uh, transferable, and how we do anything is how we do everything. Uh, but but then so how about school? Okay, school and curriculums and academics. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't know any curriculum out there that is about becoming a visionary or becoming a creative leader. I don't know about those. Do they exist? Yeah, like I said in the beginning, I, I think um, our school system is not set up for this kind of to build mm. this kind of quality. But I'm also not familiar with the most recent approaches, so mm. can't really give a qualified answer to that. Yeah, I can't think about anything, to be honest. Maybe somebody from the people listening can comment it later on when we publish this. But I can't think about a curriculum or something I came across, whether in Coursera or more academic university style, kind of uh, think about enhancing that vision and um, that creativity for innovation and so on. Not so sure. But then the ingredients, we sort of have articulated a little bit here, the ingredients. And so I, you, you said um, exposure, broad exposure of things to learn how to um, so find problems, find solutions to problems or challenges, right? Uh, you said also uh, conditioning in childhood, parents and what they have... Uh, uh, which path they set you on somehow. I can add, um, okay, so if you say 
taking a bicycle and going away means you need to create space and time for it. You know? So it's not something that is given to everyone and everyone is in like a sort of a rat race or holding their breath. Okay, so next, 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 next milestone, you know, like linear, very linear mile, uh, pursuit. So we need to take, pull the brake for that car. Yeah. I, I can maybe add one, like one, one sentence to that. So yeah. what, why, why does it take time? Because I mean, what makes you the best problem solver or the most creative person is that you really believe that you can fix or like mm. solve things that you at this moment of, of being confronted by it, have no idea how to solve it. That mm. is the skill is being built out of a thousand of situations where you actually managed to solve a problem, which you didn't know how to solve before. So it's, it's confidence. It's, exactly. It's, it's about, it's about, okay. I, I don't know how, but I know somehow it will work. Mm. And it's a uh, mindset thing. Huh? And I think it's been, it's, it's built by, um, by this, uh, experience of, of out of the comfort zone experience, um, where you, yeah, where you needed to be inventive uh, in order to, succeed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in the workplace then would you encourage that to to your employees encourage uh how, how would you actually encourage that for an employee that's rather the question say you have people sitting in and you want to enable that side of them what would you do that's a completely different approach i think because mm. um I mean, those kind of experience that we were just talking about, you probably collect in out of, outside of work where you are mm. in full control and you can really um, determine e almost every variable of the problem solving. Uh, in a company, I think we have a different game. We have a lot of um, expectations again um, from your peers, from your um, uh, manager and so on uh, that um, make your horizon very small. Mm. Um, and I think Google had a study about this. What is the number one um, leverage for creativity and innovation? And what they found out was it's uh, psychological safety. And this is the one thing that we can actually institutionalize in companies. That's the first thing that I am striving for also in Kenjo to have everyone um, at least the head free uh, to, to think freely and find uh, also fail. Um, it's also a big, uh, like to have a fail, failure culture, allow failure. Mm. It's a big thing as well. But yeah, it's, it's around psychological safety. That's the, that's the one thing that um, mm. if I was a company to um to go for that's really good point i think yes uh, that the fear of failure and wanting things to be perfect so perfectionist syndrome uh uh that 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 fear that psychological safety that it's it's going to be okay even if you fail and the other one which is could be even maybe linked to the imposter syndrome who am I to be creative? What is it that I have done to be creative or to be to see ideas and throw ideas there? Uh, that could be the, the limitations, right? And therefore it gives us a cue on what is it that we need to do? Enable them, give them the possibility to create. How would you do it kind of question, yeah. right? Because you, you cannot tell people, hey, become innovative now. Hey, no, it's rather what do you do to encourage them to be creative? How would you do it? Can you come up with a solution, right? It's pretty much exactly what I just said. It's it's creating the the framework in order mm. for them to be able to thrive, Correct. creating yeah. safety, creating a trust, um, mm. a trust based environment, and um, where failure is allowed, and um, and and creativity is also rewarded. That's another part. Mm. Right. When in our company we have a Slack channel for ideas where everyone is encouraged to put ideas up up there, 
believe you guys probably have something similar. So it's not only a job for somebody specifically, everyone can pull these ideas. And the, the reward that we set in there, it's not, I don't know, maybe it's called a reward, maybe it's a punishment for others, but it's like, if, if your idea is voted, you're gonna be leading it, you're gonna be taking care of it. So decentralized command and ownership. So they can also enable and learn how to uh, drive such a thing and team lead it. Mm. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So they will hear it now, but I don't think they know that they have to take uh, care of it. <laughs> I will share with them, but uh, I already shared a few bullet points, but I'm not sure they know that they have to lead it. <laughs> Said it for my team. Okay, okay. So we 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 get some ingredients there. Company uh, in in a company enabling. Uh, creating that safety, encouraging, asking questions. Yeah, in terms of asking questions, yeah, that that's one one thing that I was um, that I like doing. I guess you you noticed that I like asking questions. Um, it's uh, I thought one of the things that helped me personally. So I also had my journey, my travels, living in different countries and so on. But I think one thing that made it different for me, and it also came from a conditioning perspective parents and um is that i question i question everything i don't like to maybe that's a rebellious side but i don't like norms and this is how it should be it's rather can it be done differently or why is it done that way yeah when i was a kid this story i don't know if i have ever shared it publicly my father used to tell me, go to that library, because we had a library at home, like a like bookshelf above your head there, but it was massive and walls of it. He will tell me specifically which row, uh, which, uh, yeah, which row, which book, which page open. And then he told me, read uh, that page or this two, two or three pages. Mm -hmm. And those books oftentimes had some controversial uh, ideas about religion, about politics. They had different views. I don't know even where those books came from, to be honest. I think they belonged to my grandfather first and then to my father. But he never told me, I, I, I would read these two or three pages that he asked me to do, but he never told me, this is the truth or the other truth is wrong about any topic. He let me decide what it's about. And I was sitting there, dump a little bit, thinking, okay, so what's the, what's the point now? What should I do with this? He never said a word. You decide what you need to do with that idea. And I think carried that with me a little bit into, into things, whether it's in relationships or professional uh, matters, that I always like questioning things. There's not one reality or one truth to how things should be done. Can it be done differently? Of course, when, it's, when times allow it, of course, when we have pressure and deadlines, we need to pursue a certain thing and we don't need to reinvent how it is done. We are recycling a little bit. We're adding a little touch to things. We're not reinventing the wheel, as they say. So I think the, the questioning think when time and space allow it, it's also one important thing to... Uh, to, to add as an ingredient for innovation and creativity and vision in the future. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, okay. So now with uh, having that in mind, what would be, um, what would be like the, the, the strategy for organizations in your opinion to uh, enable, attract talents to be able to do to be able to be more creative and be having also a competitive edge with other companies, organizations out there. And one very, let's say simple one is to uh, be a more diverse company. So the more, well, the more diverse your workforce is, the mm -hmm. more um, discourse will happen, mm -hmm. the more tolerance will appear, um, the more, um, ambiguity which is good ambiguity is important um, in order to be able to unlearn as an organization and as an individual uh, i recently read a book from adam grant do you do you know him he's a really fantastic fantastic author it's called think again you shared it i shared it already i think you shared it on linkedin was it that one no it's a different one. that's a different one okay keep going i didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't share this one um, and it's about um, unlearning. Um, so we were speaking about 
our school system that is not good enough. And uh, why? Because it's only about accumulating so-called knowledge, but it doesn't really teach you to unlearn false things. In my opinion, the best organization is a scientific organization. We have certain hypotheses, we create, we do experiments, and if they don't work, we change our uh, opinion. And um, this was, again, this was a big answer now, but long story short, um, installing more diversity in your organization will make you more creative. And it really depends what organization you need to have in order to succeed. Um, For example, companies that don't need to be creative because they found their perfect product fit, they're in their niche, uh, no competition, just need to make money basically. Um, Then a homogeneous team, non-diverse could be probably more successful than an, than a highly diverse uh, um, uh, work workforce. That's what I think. Yeah, because if you have a bunch of people with all the same expectations from the same background with the same mindset, they will be probably more efficient because of all the underlying expectations uh, and, and great operations, but not very innovative. Mm-hmm. Because there's not much, not much, not much discourse, which is important in order to create new ideas, challenge old ones, and so on. But that's just purely my opinion. I have not, I don't have any study. We are very interested this. in your opinion. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. But, uh, what do you think about that? I, I do think you get a good point there. I mean, diversity serve many other purposes not only about innovation and creativity right and becoming competitive but if we take only and zoom in only onto that aspect yes so diversity would serve that purpose of innovation and creativity because different backgrounds different opinions or and um, um yeah that, that, that's a whole other topic that maybe we can talk about at some point also about diversity mm-hmm. you know at social b that's what we do we are uh mm-hmm helping diversify and make places in Germany to start with more diverse and more inclusive for the many reasons that are out there for it. Yeah, but I get your points about uh, diversifying organizations as a really good and valid one. And companies are more and more proactive about it, especially startups, especially uh, companies also like Kenjo and so on. I believe you guys are working hard about towards that with uh with uh, speaking of Kendra now okay you you have you guys i believe you have a leadership uh program in your lnd right or you have been running something similar i think i saw something coming on linkedin about leadership training that right or offering um, it somehow you mean our marketing content or what it was uh, i think mean? it's a it's a content you created and it was even an event to join somehow i missed the, the timing to click on and join it mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. uh leadership training yeah right mm-hmm. so is is the you know as leaders we need to lead and manage but also get that vision somehow out there right so is that also part of the vision and creativity is a part of that training or not necessarily included in it Frankly speaking, this um, mm. this training is from marketing, and they so I'm not super involved That's into into those okay. uh, content. Uh, I'm more involved into training our uh, ELT, our extended leadership team. You are um, a trainer yourself. You you do that? Um, so I don't have a official certification as a coach or oh. anything like that. Uh, but what I do frequently is um, uh, goal coaching, mentoring. for example. Uh, What's that? Mentoring, coaching, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yes, leaders uh, in our company reach out to me for for uh, sparring and so on. But uh, yeah, I don't have a, like a formal coaching education or something. 
And that's fine. I was just saying that to a friend uh, this week, and actually it's fine not to have it because, you know, I, I firmly believe in the saying, when you learn, teach, and when you get, give. So it's even become a little bit of a duty that not keep that knowledge for yourself to pass it on to other people. And it's rewarding, both from emotionally and for you and for the person who's learning something new. So it, it, there is no saying that says, when you learn, teach, if you have a coaching degree or diploma, when you learn something, pass it on, whether to family member or a colleague and why not, right? Unless, of course, you, you choose to do it in a professional setup outside of work and then you want to monetize it and so on. So many people are uh, signing up to, I don't know, uh, organizations to offer their learning without necessarily a uh, coaching certification and so on, which I find very valuable. Right, Francesco, we tapped into all the sides of the of that question, the vision, innovation. What do you think actually about, uh, I came across uh, something from uh, David Sinclair, you know that uh, researcher, David Sinclair? David Sinclair is, is the Elon Musk of longevity research. What's that? I, I didn't understand that word. Longevity, so like he's trying to hack how long we live. He is trying to find solutions for how long we live. Ah. He thinks he's the Elon Musk of it, actually. He, him, Jeff Bezos, uh, they are like in the same kind of sphere. And he is mm. the specialized guy, the researcher, who's finding solutions on how we can live longer. He thinks it's a little bit far-fetched. He thinks uh, uh, dying at our age, I mean, at the normal age we know now, is a disease and it could be treated. <laughs> so... Yeah, it can be explored. It ha he has he has very interesting ideas and views. He has been invited mm -hmm. to very interesting podcasts. I've listened to a few of his, but like recently, that's not what what was the topic about. But recently, mm -hmm. I found a quote from him that says, "Never hire people based on skills. Look for passion and raw talent. This cannot be taught. This 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 too cannot be taught. So, what do you think about that one? It's controversial a little bit." I, I've seen this being posted by Simon Sinek as well. Um, something yep. like um, only mm. higher skills can be taught. Same, same, yep. same, same idea. <clears throat> it depends on what you need. Oh. That's the answer. So we were in a stage, for example, with Kenjo now where we needed a lot of energy, a lot of um, complex problem solving um and we hired accordingly i think now for example we come into an area mm. where uh we need more experience um rather than so, so because employees will not be faced with so many and so intense challenges uh unforeseeable challenges like before mm. Mm. so it's always a share in my opinion, no. right. Um, okay, that's that's my answer. It's always it, it depends. It really depends. It, there's no one answer uh, mm. to this. That would mitigated. Yeah. I mitigated a little bit about the topic. So I'm thinking, okay, passion and talents, raw talents are are quite important, and they cannot be necessarily taught. But I also think that talent doesn't matter it's actually hard work that creates talents so you can yeah. become talented at something if you spend hours into learning it or mm. doing that that craft and also you can become passionate about it if it becomes mm. if it's in line with your let's say um things that are important to you core values and so on mm. i believe mm -hmm. passion is the third step before, uh, after being curious about something, then being interested mm. about it. So curiosity is, let's say, the role first step. I'm curious about this thing. How mm -hmm. can I learn about it? Then you become interested in it, meaning here yeah. you're doing it regularly. And then it can drop off. And then, no, I'm not interested anymore. But it can move then to the next step. It's going very passionate about it. You talk about it all the time. You've, you're reading about it, learning about it, something. Then become very passionate. And then it moves to the fourth step, which is, 
be becoming a purpose so you, you're not benefiting you only and not the only person passionate about it but you try even making other people passionate about it and serving serving uh other people with it whatever who those people are and then with talents also i believe that talents is uh um you can be talented, but somehow it's a little bit of a conditioning. I don't know how specifically that conditioning is brought into, like when you have a kid that is talented at playing music or talented at drawing. I believe there's a conditioning before that happened consciously or unconsciously. And uh, in, in, in adulthood, also it can be developed in, with, uh, with, again, repetition and love and passion to that topic. It's not just... Uh, but then from the hiring perspective i've been hiring myself to i look for passion in the way how people speak about what they do so when they are describing their work you can see it in the physical expression in their body language and okay he likes what he's doing he's really passionate about it Mm -hmm. and does he know what 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 skills uh, is he talented at it or is he good at it is he does it come naturally to him a bit or is he needs to put a little more effort into that? So, yeah. Yeah. You, you said, you just mentioned a super important point. Does he need to put effort into it? Because yeah. the best, so we're speaking about strengths actually, right? Just talking about talent. Are you talented in this area? Yes, no. Uh, and the, the best strengths um, idea that I've seen describes it like this basically it's a it's a spectrum from zero to hundred. Hundred is the best, let's say, oh. and um, you start at some point on the spectrum. Sometimes you start at eighty, you're very talented. Sometimes you start at forty, not so talented, and it only depends how much energy you need to put inside in order to get uh, to to a hundred percent. So it basically describes. When you're not talented at all, it just needs more energy from you and repetition and training and so on to become uh, um, very, very good at a certain thing. Mm. And what we would observe as talent is someone who already starts quite quite far ahead and then only needs to get give a little bit in order to be really, really good. Mm. And that's why it looks so easy. Right. Um, but yeah, I like that because this kind of view about it because uh, it says if you really want you can get um, to a very good level mm. um, always and yeah um, good yeah okay yeah but well, we have cues now we have cues i think if we break down this our conversation we have cues into maybe it's not yet in the academics it's not yet in schools. It takes time to change schools. Maybe there are some more progressive forward-thinking schools out there who also pay attention to teaching those skills that are not necessarily obvious for being in every level of an organization, but that are important at certain levels. But we have cues, and if you don't mind, we can summarize them here, is a broad exposure, getting out of the comfort zone, having a curious mind, which questioning things, uh, mindset, as in confidence and ability, and from an organization level, uh, uh, offering, uh, creating the room for uh, failure, and also handing over a little bit of ownership to get them to find ways and create and find solutions. And uh, we also said, uh, any, how you do anything is how you do everything. So when you are outside solving problems you can transfer that to professional side and vice versa yeah and um put in work here and developing talents into something put in work put in energy repetition and uh, being like moving things from interest to being passion passionate about it i guess you have a passion for innovation creativity here francesco you can i can tell um what else can we say any books you recommend you recommended the book about diversity you said it before i would like to take the exact name of it so i can put it later on the show notes anything else in mind it's not about diversity by the way it's about um unlearning unlearning um so 
It's from Adam Grant, and mm. the book title is uh, Think Again. Think Again. That's, mm. Think Again. That, that's really the best book that I can recommend uh, about this topic. It's, okay. it's very nice. Yeah. Okay, nice. Mm, any other book recommendations? Well, I have the German one that I recommended on LinkedIn now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the exact title in my head. It's about ambiguity tolerance and intolerance, mm -hmm. what that does to certain ecosystems. Right. So one that I can recommend is the uh, book uh, Range, called Range, R-A-N-G-E. You, you read that one? You came across it? I found it extremely good. It's actually was an eye-opener for me, like the accidental creative. I have um, always thought about myself not having very linear uh, path is limiting me. I haven't been specialized in one thing long enough and therefore is perceived negatively somehow. But when I read it, it was an eye-opener. Basically what the, the, the author says is that it's, it's really actually nice and good to have a very broad range of exposure and experiences, both in personal and professional life, especially during your 20s, because then you can specialize a little bit later on rather than having a specialization early on. And whether it's in sports, or when you play in different sports as a kid, to become specialized, let's say, in gymnastics afterwards and become a champion of gymnastics, or if you are trying different jobs uh, during your early 20s and then you specialize afterwards, that, that cumulative experience, it helps you become more successful in personal and professional life and solving problems and, and having uh, ideas, creative ideas, and also foreseeing, foreseeing the problems and challenges, but also... Uh, um, having ideas of how things can be better in the future, like creating solutions without having necessarily a problem, having that vision kind of, of thing. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend that book. I wish those some, some of these books were taught to us in high school already. So then a lot of young men and women mm. out there wouldn't be too stuck in the question, what, am is, what is it that I'm supposed to do now? Why am I not happy with what I'm doing? It's fine if you jump from one thing to another. It's actually right. Not only taught to schools, but also taught to recruiters <clears throat> uh, that, <clears throat> that um, those people who are having broad range of uh, experiences can fit in a certain roles and they are not like a, necessarily a good fit yeah, range. Right, Francesco, we're coming close to the end of it. How do you think about it? What did you think about that convers this conversation? Yeah. Um, a lot of food for thoughts? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I was just uh, thinking that um, that's not a, not often, not very often a topic being discussed. Mm. Um, mm. And so that was why it was really exciting for me. Mm. Also because I, I know, uh, you know, I value your questions a lot. They make me think and reflect. Um, I'm wondering if we created something useful actually for, for your, for your, for your community. I'm uh, looking forward uh, um, to the reaction. Um, yeah, but um, definitely, definitely something that mm. we need to, we need to put the light in a bit more. Mm. Um, uh, something that is uh, just uh, de dealt with on the surface, on the corporate yeah. level, at least, I think. Yeah. If we create value for one person, that's always my goal. One person find value in it. It's better than nothing at all. And I'm sure many people would find valuable what you shared back from your experience and also from our conversation combined. Thank Beautiful you for thought. making time for this. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me again. <laughs> Looking forward to the next My one. pleasure. That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com slash blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. 
And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.